From Edge Radio 99.3 FM, this is an edit of The Dice Men Cometh, the podcast. The Dice Men Cometh! Yes, it is Edge Radio. It is, Mark. It really is. It is Edge Radio and it is Thursday, the 12th of December. And, Garth? Hello. It is The Dice Men Cometh. Here for episode 288, I am Mark. I am gutted. You just stole my introduction from me, Mark. We were just discussing who would introduce the show, who would get the limelight on episode 288, because it sure as hell ain't Leon, (laughs) who is not here tonight. He's not. You are stuck with Garth and Mark on the day before Friday the 13th. Oh. So don't walk under a black cat. Don't smash a ladder. And, I don't know, something else. Don't look in don't the mirror. take any wooden nickels. Yeah, why not? So, you look, you're with the Dice Men Cometh. Australia, knee the Southern Hemisphere's premier radio show and podcast all about board gaming, tabletop gaming, role-playing gaming, all of those things. Go into any of all your game. local gaming or nerd stores. Look at the walls. If they're on the walls, we're into it. And that's how we roll, isn't it, Mark? Uh, well, we do, but, Garth... Not only do we go into our local gaming stores, but we also check out lfg-oz.com.au, Oz as in A-U-S, because in case you didn't notice, we're Australian, Um, lfg-aus.com.au. They are our sponsors. Thank you so much to them. And we're through their goodness, through the goodness of Edge Radio 99.3 FM, we are here talking about games. And Garth? Yes. We do have a couple of games to talk about tonight. We have not one, not two, but potentially more than that mm. that we're going to try and fill this hour up with. So the first game we're going to talk about is a spiritual successor to at least a couple of games. Yes. It is an iteration that is potentially fun. It you cro- may find out after crosses that. crosses a couple of genres there. Sure does. We'll then go on and get a little bit cheeky with it <laughs> because we're going to talk about a game that involves both chickens and time travel and potentially exploding. And then finally, Mark, you want to introduce technology to board mm-hmm. gaming. I do. And uh, discuss how letting a little bit of electronic... I don't know, influence into gaming may not necessarily be a bad thing. That's right. And do you know that there's one thing we don't talk about here, Garth, on Edge Radio? We don't talk about Patreon. No, we don't, do we? No. But if we did, which we don't... No. We'd probably, we'd probably throw a reference to Patreon in the podcast-only version... Correct. ...that is well worth hearing. Absolutely. And if you wanted to win some games, then... Maybe you should check out our, our social medias and <coughs> Patreon page. Absolutely. You're with the Dice Men Cometh. It's Edge Radio 99.3 FM. Merry almost Christmas. And here's a song. Sometime today. Hi, this is Steve. And Garth is amazing. And so is the other fella. You're with Edge Radio 99.3 FM here with the Dice Men Cometh. That was Blur with Chemical Worlds. Yes, it was. It was. You are 100% right, Mark. Now, Good Garth. on you for back announcing. Garth, tonight we've got a game that sort of replaces 
a couple of other games, but that a lot of people didn't want those games to be replaced because they were quite well loved. But this game does that. Well, maybe. Am I jumping the gun? Yep, yep. As have shut I, up I, and sit down, they say lead? you have buried the lead. <laughs> and on that bombshell, we're out of here. No. Uh, we're talking about Obscurio. Obscurio is a 2019 Lilibud release. Is it is almost hot off the press. How good are new games, Garth? Well, we'll get to that because there's a lot of classics there that I love. Look, Obscurio, which is designed by L'Atelier, and L'Atelier is a collective of designers mm. who, at least according to their BGG page, want to remain anonymous... And, really? Uh, wow. Well, they don't say they want to be anonymous. I just don't want to go any further. <laughs> okay. uh, but they, more importantly, have an artist called Xavier Collette on their books. Now, Xavier Collette has done a plethora mm-hmm. of games, including Mysterium, Abyss, some form of Dixit, yep. Journeys, uh, sorry, Timeline, Get Bit, uh, Conan mm. and five other pages of games on the BGG list. This he, is just the most well-known games I want to mention. He's, otherwise he's a bit of an artist, episode. that's for sure. Uh, absolutely. But why would a game designer who we don't know who they are because they're all secret want to get an artist? Well, the reason is because Obscurio is, look, it's a family game. It's a hidden information game. It's a trader game. It's an image-based communication game. Mm. And it is essentially the spiritual successor to Mysterium. Well, the art in this game is absolutely critical to the gameplay. As you said, a spiritual successor to Mysterium, which in itself, I think, was a spiritual successor to Dixit. Correct. Have you played Dixit Garth? No. Oh, but we will get to that. And I want to I want to actually okay. go beyond our normal conversation of oh. Mark, did you like the art? And oh. you go, yeah, I do like the art. Is that to how actually, I talk? No, but we'll get to that again <laughs> okay. separately. Because we'll get to mm-hmm. the art. We'll get so, to all those things. Look, the thematic behind thematics behind Obscurio is that a sorcerer is out to get you. You've got to get out of this trapped library. You mm. are wizards. You're being helped by a book, otherwise known as a grimoire. Yeah. The game plays up to eight players, one of whom will always play the grimoire. The other seven players will be the wizards, and they're trying to get out, but one of them is evil. Or more than one, maybe, if there's, depending on the player number, is it? Mm, well, look, you're guaranteed to have a trader in there. Mm-hmm. And traders are bad, full stop, because you just can't trust anything they say, anything they do, but chances are you will trust them at some point during the game if they are a half-decent trader. Was, hang on, was I a wizard in this game? You're telling me I was a wizard. I don't know. You were a lump. Was I was going to say, I'd, I feel like as a wizard, you'd think that I might have had some magic-based powers at my disposal? Well, you did, and we'll get did to those I? kind okay. of magical powers okay. that you had. So, look, okay. Obscurio is played out of a series of rounds where everyone, bar the trader, is trying to escape this library. You're trying to get out, you're trying to succeed, and that'll take place, I believe, over about eight nights or eight sessions or eight turns, whatever you want to call yep. it. Yep. To do that is going to take a couple of steps. The, the first thing that's going to happen is the grimoire, 
who is a player, who is always on the side of the Wizards, will get a room, which is a card, which is a beautiful, in this case, circular card that has a wonderful, fantastical image on it, and that is the escape door from this particular room that you're trying to escape out of. They'll choose that one, they'll have a look at it, they'll then choose a couple of cards and they'll try and point some things at card to go, well, look, this is going to make the card that I've chosen stand out because mm -hmm. if I use these other two cards as reference points, surely that'll be okay. Problem is, you've got a traitor and a traitor has key information that can really screw mm. up the grimoire's process and more importantly can screw up the wizard's investigatorial skills. Are we, are we really wizards? Sure, we are wizards. <laughs> so, look, once a grimoire's done that, everyone shut their eyes, the uh, trader will get to open their eyes and look at the eight I guess bits of information, not information, the eight other room tiles that are going to be potentially revealed, they'll mess them up around, maybe change things up a little bit and make life generally more difficult for all the good players we to could call, be successful. We could call them pretty, for, for a short-term word usage, we could call them pretty beer coasters. They are. They're round really round circles of gorgeous art. Yeah, exactly right. And as you said, they... They represent a room, but I don't know why, and maybe maybe we'll come back to this point later. Fair enough. We're coming back to a lot later. Absolutely. You better do some of the stuff now. But you need to escape that library, and in order to do that, you've got to pick the right door. Mm. So once the Grimoire's done their thing and the traders had their little bit of influence, you're going to be presented with usually six doors to choose from. So you'll be flipping up six beautiful circular pieces of art... And the grimoire, even though they're on your side, will flip over a sand timer and go, time's a ticking, wizards. Yeah. So make your choice. The wizards, the good and the bad, will then try and decide which one of the doors with their beautiful, completely random art is the closest to what the grimoire actually means. Now, the grimoire has a beautiful little booklet that fits two cards precisely, and they're the two that the Grimoire is going to use as its main point of reference. And they have these beautiful little tokens on them called butterfly tokens, mm. which are essentially magnetic arrows that the Grimoire can use to point to the most important parts on these two circular yeah. cards that they're yeah. using. What they are, God knows, but the Grimoire does. So you use that information as the player's to decipher what are the six cards is the Grimoire trying to get us to choose. You will discuss as a team. You'll have conversations both good and bad and go, well, how can that card possibly be what the Grimoire means? And then after however much time, be it a little or a lot, all six of you or seven of you or however many players are will have placed your own little kind of small poker chip style character yeah, tokens. token things on the doors that you think are going to be right. And you might come to a universal consensus and go, definitely this door, or you won't. And a lot of the time you won't because mm. that's the underhandedness, underhanded dastardliness of the trader. Yep. Just seeding a little bit of garbage. Well, and it's also the fact that you've got, Three, four, five, six, seven people sitting around going, well, clearly the butterfly is pointing to the jewel and over here that butterfly is pointing to a foot. 
So here's a picture that has a jewel and a foot. It must be that one. No, actually, this card has a foot with a jewel. It must be this card. No, hang on. This card is red, and the jewel is red, so clearly what the Grimoire meant was that the red card with the foot on it, and that's the discussion that you will have amongst your three, four, five, six, seven people, and it is very hard, even when you're all working together, when you're looking at Artigarth. Correct. When you're looking at art and trying to interpret art, we all interpret art differently. But when you're also trying to interpret art, knowing that the sand timer, mm. she's a ticking. So you need to do it quickly and we'll get to why you need to do mm. it quickly. So once everyone has made up their mind and done that, the person who is the grimoire will lay the sand timer down and remember exactly on what track it ended up being. And then they will go, Way! or they will go, <laughs> or they'll go, what? Why, did you, why did you, didn't you choose my clues? How did you not interpret the clue that I gave you to be this? And then walk out the door, Leon, and then come back <laughs> and realise maybe the clue's a little bit open to interpretation, Leon. But anyway. Oh, I forgot about that. Then, based on the number of players who got things wrong, you'll have to distribute some awful... <laughs> Awful tokens in the game that are going to be the end of you potentially. These yes. are the, uh, I don't know, they're just called cohesion tokens. Mm, cohesion, what is cohesion? And the problem is every time you get one, it leads to lack of cohesion because every time someone gets one, you just think, oh, they're the trader. Because you only get a token if you've chosen the wrong door. Mm. And if you've chosen the wrong door... There's a chance you're the traitor because you want us to choose the wrong door, but maybe you're just a bit thick or maybe you, I don't know, didn't see something that I saw on the card or whatever the case yeah. may be. Yeah. <sighs> but you've got a cohesion token. And the game's going to continue around and around and around. Every round, though, things get a little bit different because depending on how much time you have taken in the previous turn, you'll have to draw some traps from the trap bag. You might get one, you might get two, you might get three, depending on how slow you were. And traps are all kinds of badness. They are things that will make everyone's life except the traitors horrible. For example, a trap might add an extra room to the equation. So instead of looking at six rooms, you're looking at seven. The trap may alter the view that you have of the cards in the grimoire because there are two extra little, like, plastic card layers that you can put on top of them. One is a swirly white material that mm. you, you put over it and you can't see. The other one is just red, like yes. red cellophane, which just gets rid of all colour. Mm. And that takes away one massive potential um, aspect that the Grimoire can use to lead players into the right direction. There are heaps of those and they will come out every single turn and they can be the make or break of you getting all of you to choose the right door. And they... I like how they change it up because if you could sit there and take mm, not as much time as you like but quite a bit of time flipping that timer over three or four times, not not that it's relatively easy to nut out, okay, it must be this one. If you had an unlimited amount of time based on the different opinions of three, four, five, six, seven players, you're still going to have a variety of choices but... The fact that the longer you take to choose, the more traps you will introduce for the next round, yeah. I think that scales it up nicely and it injects 
a sense of urgency for we've got to make a decision quickly because this is going to be really difficult if we don't. So do, let's just go with that one. Yep. Yeah, I think that's completely fair enough. So you'll do that. You'll hopefully choose. People will get cohesion tokens. Ideally, you've chosen the right door because mm. at least one of you needs to choose the right door to progress to the next room to get you ultimately closer to finally getting out. And you think you're going all right. People will get cohesion tokens because sometimes people are wrong. Yeah. And then you'll go on and then you'll go on and then, ah, uh, enough cohesion tokens have been taken where an immediate accusation phase needs to happen. And this is where all the players, excluding the grimoire, because the grimoire knows who the traitor is, all of those players will discuss for one minute, well, clearly Mark's the traitor because Mark has got the most cohesion tokens and it's Mark. Mark's no. always the traitor. No, He's always the Cylon. Actually, He's always in the dead of winter, the person who will always kill everybody else. And that's just Mark. And yeah, then, oh, yeah, but we've got Trent. Oh, yeah. Trent, I just don't like him. He's probably going to be the traitor as well. Well, the other thing and was you've that one this. round where it was obvious Joel picked the not obvious thing, that was quite obvious that he didn't pick the obvious thing. Oh, I and, don't know. And yeah. therein lies the game, is that what is obvious to me is not obvious to you, Mark, and is not obvious to Joel or yeah. Trent or Bo or Leon or any players that you choose to play this game with. But you have to accuse somebody. So after the one minute, it is very simply a 3-2-1. You point to the finger, you point your finger to the person that you think is the traitor. And if that person is either the most popular person, for lack of a better term... Whatever the majority choose, yep. is the ...is the traitor, or if there is a tie, they will all reveal their card and the card will either say, no, I'm not a traitor or I am. For every incorrect guess, you will lose two more cohesion mm. tokens. Now, the thing to remember is by the time you get to the accusation phase, there might only be seven cohesion yep. tokens left. You're going to lose two for every incorrect guess. Now, if, for example, there is a majority and we all choose Mark, because of course we would choose Mark. No, it's not him. And he's wrong, then you lose two cohesion tokens and you have to just go again. Yeah. So you have another minute conversation. We know that Mark, mm, he's acted pretty bad, but he's actually good. Who would have thunk? <laughs> okay, well, clearly it is actually Bo this time because Bo's been a little bit sneaky and, you know, he's a bit quiet this one and led us up the garden path in that way. And you vote and you go, bang, Bo. And then it turns out the bow was actually good. Mm. He just did a really bad job of showing that he was good. Two more cohesion tokens. As soon as you can't get any more cohesion tokens, all the good wizards lose. Yeah. The trader wins and they just, you know, I don't know, moonwalk out of here. Who knows? They celebrate. <sighs> that is a really nice crescendo to this game, but it is not the end. Because if you choose the trader successfully, they still have to play a part. They get to meddle around with the Grimoire's plans they still get to vote on the doors, but obviously you won't take any attention to the, the choice of theirs because mm -hmm. they want you to fail. But then you get to the last door, the last room, the last thing that's the make or break. You might have survived all these accusations. We're you might have so survived close. all this. You then get to the final door, the final room, and there is an inbuilt inherent trap in this room, which essentially means that once the six maybe seven doors are revealed, mm -hmm. you can't communicate. You can't say, you can't point, you can't nod, you can't breathe suggestively, you can't do anything. All you can do is say, yep, I've chosen my door. Everyone takes their token in their hands, puts them out in front of them. Three, two, one, bang. You all put your door, sorry, your tokens on the door that you think. Yep. 
Hopefully you all think it's the right same door, <laughs> but you won't. Hopefully someone at least picks the right door. Because, again, anyone who fails, they get a cohesion token mm. and you're going to be very, very low on cohesion tokens. Yep. And and then you win or lose the game. If you were successfully escape, the good guys win. If you don't do that, the trader wins. And that's Obscurio for you. It is really, really fun. Yep. It goes for, according to BGG, 40 minutes. <laughs> it could go... Presumably less than that, it could go a hell of a lot longer with that. And I dare say with maximum player count, it does. I think I've now played it three times. I played it at PAX. I played it at LFGS and Unplugged. And I played it in Trent's game room last week. And I think all of those three games would have gone minimum... 90 minutes, sort of between the 90 minutes and two hours. Yeah, I agree. And to be fair, the first time I played it was at LFG's and Unplugged. Mm -hmm. So the first 15, 20 was, you know, the teaching of it, and that's completely fine. This is a very, very simple game. But whenever you've got games that require people to have a role and people to close their eyes and people to know what they're doing, because if they don't know what they're doing, the game is potentially ruined. Yeah. You've got to be really clear in the way you teach this yep. game, especially if you've got a first-timer as the traitor things could go pear-shaped very, very quickly. So it's important to know the process. So make sure you explain it properly. But once you get going, the first round is almost the same as the last round. Yeah. It's just the traps offer a little bit of variability and everyone will get a little bit better. You'll, you'll kind of figure out how the other players are operating and what their trains of thought are for the most part. And that's part of the process. It's really, really interesting. Yep. Now, spoilers... Leon, what did you think? Oh, Mark, I went straight out and put my uh, copy of Mysterium on the board, the Facebook board game sales because that's how much I liked it. Well, Leon doesn't sound like that <laughs> at all, so I won't, I won't do any Leon impersonation, but you're 100% right. Leon, right. Leon finished our game, and it, it was his copy that we played, so he's yep. played it quite a few times. We then went into a relatively lengthy discussion about does he get rid of Mysterium mm. because he was on the fence? Because he loves Mysterium. Yes. He loves these kind of games. He really enjoys it. And even after the conversation as we were driving home, I don't think he knew what his decision was going to be and I woke up the next morning, Mysterium for sale. Yes, and, I know. Okay, Leon has made his choice and once he makes a choice, he lives with it. So I then went on, I watched a couple of reviews and almost universally the reviews of this game are... If you enjoy Dixit and if you enjoy Mysterium, then get this game and don't play the other two. Yeah. The only reason you would play the other two is if you're playing with people who haven't played Obscurio and don't own it, so you play Mysterium or Dixit just because it scratches somewhat of the same itch. See, I still own Dixit and one or two of the expansions. I must admit I haven't played them for a while, but I think there's still a place for them because... The art is a lot simpler. Like, these cards are just crammed, as, as Mysterium was, crammed with art. Whereas in Dixit, there's a thing happening on the card, and yes, it's crazy as all get out. But mostly it's just one thing. And so for people new to games, if you wanted to introduce a, a, this sort of social deduction game, where you use art to convey a message, 
I think there's still a place for Dixit. And you're right, if people then really like that game, it's natural to move them to something like Obscurio. But for me, I am going to keep my copy of Dixit. Okay. It would be, I hate to say it, it would be four or five years since I played it, Mm. but I feel like there is an audience there for it still. Whereas Mysterium, Mysterium was a step up from Dixit because it did have a little bit of complicated mechanics with the tokens and the things and the the ghost and this game just I don't know that it takes it one iteration further but it certainly distills it into something that to me is more fun yeah I agree a couple of things that make it more fun for me is that the ghost slash the grimoire in this case can be super specific with the clues they Mm -hmm. want to give in Mysterium, you'd be giving cards as clues and going, like, this is what I mean. Whereas in this, in a card, you can point to a thing or you can potentially, because you've got two arrows that you can use, these two little butterfly tokens, you can put them both on one card and point to two different things on the one card. Or even point to the same thing from different angles. Correct. So there's there's a lot more interpretation that the Grimoire has. The other thing I, I really find interesting is that the progression of art from Dixit through Mysterium into yes. Obscurio. I think it's a, a really maturing of the mm-hmm. art style. Yeah. The As you say, the Dixit art is really basic. It's a lot of the time lots of block colours and, and very two-dimensional stylized for, for a lot of it, yeah. I find. And it takes it to that next level. It'd have a crazy sort of central image that draws your yeah. eye, but it's just one thing. Correct. Whereas in Mysterium, that just went... Exactly. Like the whole card is very, very busy. And I feel in... Obscurio, that each card itself is telling you a story. Mm. If you look at each card, there's not just a series of hodgepodgey images and albeit beautiful art. Yeah. It's actually a coherent image that I'm interested in. Yeah. And I want to look at and I want to investigate. And it reminds me back in the days, oh, growing up as... Was it Graham something or other? He did Graham Bass. Graham Bass. Yep. Those those beautiful art. Yep. The eleventh hour. Yes, yes, yes. We, you know, that's beautiful art, but it's a, every bit of art is a puzzle. You could spend a day looking at one page, and you still wouldn't discover everything on the page. There is so much detail; it's so intricate, and it draws you in. Yeah, and that's my reaction yep. to Obscurio. Yep. I feel like. You could use Mysterium cards if you had the right cutter and turn them as circular as possible so they could fit in. A negative aspect to this game is that in the two games I've played, which have gone almost the distance... No, they have gone the distance. Every single game has got to the point where you're choosing without any negotiation or, sorry, without any correspondence here. I've seen all the cards twice. The game itself comes with 80-odd cards. You will see everyone or very yeah. close to those cards during the course of one game. And obviously the way that they play out and the traps that you're going to have, it'll impact your play every single time. But already going, I've seen that card, I've seen that card, I've seen that card, makes me go, I want more cards, yeah. I want more cards. And they've certainly left ample space in the box for probably about three to four times that number of cards yeah. again. So I'm really looking forward because no doubt there's going to be expansion after expansion for this one. I really do enjoy it. I think once you get the initial rules explanation down pat, Mm -hmm. everyone will have fun with it. My inherent 
criticism with this game, apart from the fact that there is currently a limited amount of art, basically a game's worth, is that when you've got eight people sitting around the table, one of whom is working against you, and it requires the grimoire in this case to say, all right, trader, open your eyes. And in this case, the, the trader has to actually interact with the grimoire yeah. quite a lot. Yeah. They have to potentially change one or two of the cards that are going to be used as doors. And they've got to do that while generally sitting in pretty close proximity to players who are good on the left or the right side. So you've the way they say it is to operate in fingers, you know, so if I want to change the door one, put up one finger or yeah. door two, blah, blah, blah. But you've got eight doors, so you, you have a bit of an issue there. And I don't know how to work around that. You've sort of got to be conscious of either making lots of noise, shuffling around to make sure that you don't have that thing where sometimes in Werewolf you're all so quiet you actually hear someone Correct. move. And the problem with making noise is you can't say, all right, everyone just start yeah. putting their fingers because you'll hear one person whose hands yeah. go up <laughs> because they're doing that. So that doesn't work. Yeah. And, you know, there have been threads on BGG going, well, as the Grimoire, I'd stand up and walk around the table so that no one really yeah. knows where I am. But we can't do that in games room like Trent's because it's the size of a large kitchen table. <laughs> That's right. And the walls are surrounded by games. So it requires just a bit of preparation yeah. on the Grimoire's behalf because not the Grimoire's not going to know where the trader's sitting yeah. because that's all done randomly at the table. But it requires the Grimoire just to make sure they're putting on the air of they could be talking to anybody and for the Grimoire to be, uh, sorry, the trader to be as subtle as Mr. Subtle, Subtletington from Subtletown, subtle. Very subtle. Very subtle. Yeah, you, you, you've, you've absolutely got to be conscious of that, that's for sure. There were a couple of things we are going to come back to. Now, I'm not sure what the other ones were, but the one I wanted to come back to was I didn't even realise I was a wizard. So firstly, if I'm a wizard, because I was not the traitor, just so you know, if I'm a wizard... Why don't I have some magic-based powers that I can use rather than just the powers of observation in this game? And there's a magic book that's telling me things. That's the theme. Yeah, the theme is not that great. It's Yeah. The, the, Does the, it need to be there? Because, I mean, the thing is, in Dixit, there's no theme. You have a cards of art. Someone, one person is telling a story, the other people are playing their cards, trying to trick the per everyone else to think that their card is the one that the story about. That works fine. Yes, Mysterium had the theme where it was a ghost and you're listening to the ghost and the ghost is sending you dreams. Yep. That theme sort of worked okay. Look, this theme works okay, I guess. It's just if I'm a wizard, why can't I use magic to help me solve the puzzle? Because really I'm just a person looking you at art. You are a person, yeah. So I guess you could do that. You could certainly, and potentially there would be an expansion that mm -hmm. would introduce individual player powers. Yeah. I think also the randomness of the traps is a little bit random, for lack of a better term. The thing is you'll have more traps depending on how long it's taken you yep. to, to make choices, and that is certainly a punishment. But I almost feel like a different inherent trap for every room you progress would make things a little bit interesting. You know that the next room you're going to have, you're going to have seven doors instead of six. Yeah. And depending on how much time you've taken, there'll be something else as well. Uh, I think there's there's room for potentially even house ruling this if you've played it enough where you feel like it's just not a level playing field mm. anymore. 
because my concern would be that the expansions are just more cards, more cards, well, more cards. I was going to say, as we've said, there's plenty of scope in the box for expansions. Obviously, the more art you've got, the better, the more replayability you've got. But there's certainly room in the expansions for new traps and maybe, as we said, new player special powers or something like that, where not only the players have a special power, maybe the trader has a special power. Who knows? But having said that, as I said, I'm going to keep my dixit, but this is a great game. It is certainly one of the games that if someone said, who wants to play Obscurio, my hand has gone straight up. Yeah, look, I've only played it with, I think, seven and eight players respectively. But I love the maximum player count. Yeah. It certainly makes life a little bit trickier for the trader if there is only one because you're dealing against 1v very many. Mm-hmm. But I've had a laugh and a ball and a thought-provoking experience yes. because it's all about who interprets what in which way. So that's Obscurio, Where the Dice Men Cometh. It's Edge Radio 99.3 FM and here's a song. Hey, Leon, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be at work. Sometimes I don't work. Sometimes I come and play games with you guys and fail miserably. I'm also here. (laughs) That's that's all three of us in the one space at the one time for something that is super important. We just want to remind you about our Patreon-only competition where we are giving away more than 10 games, including Pret-a-Porta, the Kickstarter-exclusive edition by Portal Games and Ignace Trezacek. And all you have to do, Leon... Yes. You have to follow us on Patreon. You can subscribe at any level you please. We'd be more than happy to anybody that listens to this ad just to give us a dollar a month. Trust me, you will not know that it's missing at all from your bank account. Unless you want to give us more, then you'll probably notice, but we'll be more appreciative. But that's three people for one dollar. Yeah. Like, that's cheap ad. So cheap. Exactly. And for that, you get the Kickstarter version of Predaporter potentially... And one of over 10 games of which there are some pretty hard to find Australian games in there. So I reckon you should jump on, at least press a dollar, but maybe five or ten or a hundred. Who knows? We're not saying. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's always nice to support your friendly local hood dice men. And we're doing this because we want to get as much money as humanly possible, because that's nice. But we're doing that so we can get to every convention in Australia humanly possible. And possibly around the world, even. And... You still have probably just over a week by the time you listen to this because the competition closes at midnight. I'm going to stay up and check on Christmas Eve. In case you're listening in the future, it was 2019. <laughs> Don't waste time, though. You want to be one of those winning entries. Get in and support us on Patreon. And thank you so much in advance for all your support. Absolutely. Now, you're already listening, but go jump onto Patreon. And then while you're doing that, listen to the rest of the show. Here we go. Yeah, which I'm probably not on, so probably just turn it off if you want after this. After you've subscribed to Patreon, of course. Back to the studio. Well, there you go. That was Fine Young Cannibals with Johnny Come Home. You're with the Dice Men Cometh, proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. If you need a game for Christmas, jump onto LFG-Oz, that's aus.com.au, and order from them, people. Not only that, Garth, but they do have quite a number of events over the school holiday slash everyone's holiday period in their store in Canberra, ACT. So check out that website again. LFG-Oz.com.au. Thank you. 
Did we mention we'll be in Canberra in the end of January? <gasps> we have booked our tickets. In past years, we have said, we think we might get to CanCon. We're probably going to go to CanCon. I think we may be in CanCon. But now, Garth... We are one billion percent going to be in the nation's capital. We're... At least the same two that are here tonight. Because, Leon, what are you up to? I'll be making chocolate, all right. <laughs> He'll be making chocolate while Mark and I are playing the games yep. because I'll be on long service leave. And I'll be on a long weekend. Did I mention I'll be on long service leave? Shut up. Oh, my God, six weeks off. So for anyone who has had brief thoughts about heading to Canberra for CanCon, I have heard that it's some of the best four days in gaming and whilst it's, you know, it's not BorderCon. That's it's not true. A, it's it's not Canberra. LFG Sydney. It's not LFGS and Unplugged. I've heard so much about CanCon. I've been so anxious to get there so many years. We are finally going to be there. Can't wait. Mark? Garth? Do you want to talk about some technology? I do. I love technology. Um I have some technology in my home. I have some of those Google things. Yeah, I've got four now. Uh, I have three Google speakers and three lights. Yeah, wow. So the smart the smart tech, and I'm all about the smart tech. So ASIO, CIA, FBI, they are all over your house. No, they know nothing about me, but Jeff Bezos, no, Jeff Bezos doesn't know anything because he's Tim Google. Cook. Google man. Yeah, Tim Cook. Whoever, no, he's Apple. Oh, he is Apple. Yeah. Tim Apple. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Mr. Google. Mr. Google knows all in my house, but Jeff Bezos doesn't. But what Jeff Bezos may well know about now, Garth, he may be ahead of you. Not just in that he's got more money than you or virtually everyone else in the world, but he's going to be ahead of you because his device, Alex, Alex A? Alexa. Alexa, that's the one. Yeah. Alexa can teach you not just Ticket to Ride, also Ticket to Ride colon Europe. Wow, I actually do need help because I've never played Ticket yeah, to Ride. This could be perfect for you. So this was something that was revealed, I think, at Essen. Yep. Um, is that you can sit down with your Alexa device and you can say, Alexa, teach me Ticket to Ride or Alexa, Play Ticket to Ride with me. And Alexa will go from the very, very start saying, okay, Garth, open the Ticket to Ride box. Take the cards. Maybe not in that accent. It won't start with, do you really want to play a train game? <laughs> it probably should. But you can go right from the very first point, as in take the box, take the lid off, take out these bits. This is how you set up the game. It will tell you how to set up the game. But, of course, for people who have played before, that could be very tedious. But you can skip those bits. You can have Alexa play against you. It can be one of the players. Or you can have it just monitor the rules and monitor the score and sort of keep track of everything. 
And so if you want to do that, what you do is you would say, say I'm the green player, because I always am except when Bo's around. Um, damn you, Bo. Um, I would say, oh, the green player claims New Orleans to Houston. Those are two cities in America, Garth, that are on the Ticket to Ride board, in case you didn't know, because you've never played Ticket to Ride. No, that's true. I've I been to America, quite though. I believe it. And then Alexa will note that and will keep the score. Now, if someone else later on says, hey, Alexa, or hey, Alexa, uh, the pink, <laughs> pink player claims or New Orleans to Houston, Alexa will say, you idiot, Garth. Mark already claimed Alexa to Houston or something along that line. So we'll stop you from getting the same route. But if it's one of the... D- Different lines? Garth, I understand you're the basic looking at principle. me, I'm looking at you. I don't know why because you've never played this game. Maybe you should just leave. Absolutely. I've done. Fine. <laughs> but if it's one of the double routes, it will allow that. If it's not one of the double routes, it won't allow I that. your pardon? At the game end... You read off the tickets you completed and you didn't complete. I'm just assuming that people who listen to this know how to play Ticket okay, to Ride Draft, and we know you don't. Then Alexa will add up those numbers. It'll know how many points Los Angeles to New York is worth. Sure. And it will add up the score at the end. Now, if you want to have Alexa as an opponent, and this could mean it could just be you and Alexa... Or it could be you and Alexa and other people. Can Alexa play two characters? Like, can Alexa, if you if you don't want to play just 1v1, can you play with Alexa Green and Alexa, Alexa Blue? Alexa you know? does not have a split personality. Oh, okay. Alexa is just one individual... Sentient bot machine yeah, thing. Okay. So what will happen is when you start... I, I feel like I've got to explain the whole game of tickets right here to you, Garth. But no, start, that's what Alexa's for. You, you draw three tickets. They're your starting tickets, and you pick two of those three tickets, which are journeys from one point to another point on the map of America or Europe, depending on which one you're playing. Um, if you, when, what you do is you draw three tickets for Alexa and you read them out to her. It, it is a her, maybe them. You read them out to them. Um, then they will remember that and then you remove those tickets from the game so that no one else can draw those. However, in the game of Ticket to Ride, you are drawing train and carriage cards. They're the cards you use to connect routes by placing a number of carriage cards of a particular colour on the board. Now, Alexa has her own deck. It may or may not be stacked. But when, when Alexa draws tickets, you just hear, she doesn't use the deck. They don't use the deck that you are using. Okay. They use their own deck like an and they deck. keep track of it. Now, when Alexa claims a route, they announce it and then you place trains on to show that that has t- been taken by them. So it's an interesting take on the whole AI thing because I know some people... Some people don't trust computers in games. Or the algorithms behind them. Yeah. Or and this, some... uh, look, this is, this is a next step progression, yeah. isn't it? We've certainly talked about how games and apps work in combination with each other to give you an experience. But having a, an AI 
teach you the game and then play the game as a competitor is that next level. When you're playing on a physical version, you're not playing on an app, you're not playing on Tabletopia or Tabletop mm. Simulator or Steam or what have you. It's at the table and basically you are being the fingers for placing the trains in this particular case on, on a physical board for, yeah, the, for the and, AI. Um, Days of Wonder originally and now Asmodee, of course, Ticket to Ride has been around to play online forever. Has it sold well Since over about the years, 2006, I mean... 2007, before even apps were a thing, you could play on the internet and... But when you play on the internet and you can have a various number of bots that you play against, they would be using the same cards. They would draw cards from the same deck. You would see them placed down. So it's a little bit different in that way. I believe that did sell well. It was free to play originally. Then there was expansions. Then, of course, they bought out the app version. I believe it has sold massively, okay. you know, on the on particular well, I don't, the I don't know much about the game, so, no, I mean, no. it, it might just be a niche now, little title. let me ask you a question, Garth. Please do. Why is Amazon doing this? To get into gamers' homes, I dare say. Well, firstly, I think to make money, of course, because there are millions of copies of Ticket to Ride. Now, you may have not recognised when you're in a friend's home and they had a copy of Ticket to Ride on the shelf somewhere, maybe on their bookshelf with their books, because you probably don't even know what it looks like. No, I don't, actually. But... I can speak from experience. I have, I think I've been to three or four people's homes who are not gamers, who are people that I've met. And they let you friends in. Friends that I've known. Wow. I might have seen it from the door, you know, I couldn't remember. <laughs> On the other side of the window yeah. looking in. But there was a copy of Ticket to Ride on the shelf. Those people I would not have classed as gamers, but someone has given it to them as a gift or they've bought it for themselves. It is that sort of ubiquitous game that maybe like a Catan or a Carcassonne where people may not be gamers but they might have a copy of this sure. that's been sitting there that maybe they've never played and here's an opportunity for them to play it by themselves or with other people where Alexa can teach them. Now, Days of Wonder have sold millions of millions of copies of Ticket to Ride over the year. This has been a massive success for Alan Moon and for Days of Wonder. I'm sure they get plenty of questions. I guess they have a customer service department or emails where people can send them questions. And I'm, look, I'm sure there's forums on BGG, although most normal people wouldn't know that that's where you might send your questions. But firstly, Amazon would know how many copies of Ticket to Ride are out there because a lot of them get sold through Amazon, surprisingly not. Hmm. But now not only can Amazon sell you a copy of Ticket to Ride, but then they can teach you how to play it. Now, we come across this all the time, Garth, where you and I and most of the people listening, we're gamers. We know when you get a game, you're going to sit down and read through a rule book. Or you're going to go and watch a YouTube video or two and learn how to play the game. And you're going to invest a bit of time into that so then you can teach your friends. But for so many people out there, the rule book to a game is the obstruction to them playing that game. 100% right. And that's why people play Monopoly. That's why people play Scrabble because... They learned that game and everyone they know learned that game when they were kids and you never have to say, this is a game, this is Monopoly, 
The aim of the game is this. Now, what you'll do on your turn, and if you do, it's, it's you know, you might come across someone who's been living in a cave, maybe. Correct. But this this is the thing, it is... I think it's fantastic because there's also gamers out there, much like yourself, Mark, mm. who really don't like teaching games. Yeah. Learning games, yes. Teaching games, no. And Ticket to Ride, by my understanding, is a very mechanically simple game, so it it's is. a good place to start, but it allows the AI intelligence to go from Ticket to Ride to something a bit more complicated to, again, the next step and up and up and, and up. And this is very clever in that people who maybe have discovered Ticket to Ride as an app... And then go to the physical game, might be a little uncomfortable about teaching it, might not quite understand how the game works because in the app the rules are built in. Much like a video game, you buy a video game, let's say it's Horizon Zero Dawn or The Witcher or thousands of bazillions of more video games. You don't sit down and read the rules to the video game before you start. You just click play. Something pops up character creation or, hey, you're here in a jail cell in a medieval town. What are you going to do now? And the game teaches you how to play the game by giving you one thing to do, then two things to do, then three things to do. This is not exactly the same, but it's quite close. Yes. And we've seen a lot of games now. So as an example, um, I have recently received Tainted Grail. Can you believe it? From Awakened Realms. And they've got a tutorial where it's like, take these cards. Don't shovel them. They're already in the right order. Right. Go here on the map. Look at card one. Look at card two. So they're trying to do that tutorial thing where they show you the basics of how the game works. Yeah, and, and Fog of Love exactly. you know, a couple of years ago arguably was one of the strongest tutorial-based learnings in, in a game for the last couple of years mm. anyway. So it's certainly becoming a bit more prevalent in the physical version of our hobby. And uh, if you remember back... And if you haven't heard it, go and listen to it. My interview with Ignatza Trezacek, where he was talking about they've been working with Alexa to teach Alexa to play Detective, a modern crime board game in exactly the same way, where it will teach you how to play the game. It'll walk you through. It will help you along the way. You can ask it rules questions and it will answer it. They were building up a very big database of rules questions so that it could help you through Fantastic. the game. This is a real growth area in our hobby, I think, and it really, I'm, on one hand, I'm scared that Jeff Bezos is going gonna, is gonna to know all my games, but for people not like me who don't have a ready group of people to play all sorts of different games with me, this is a brilliant opportunity to get them into the hobby and to start them down the track where we know it's never going to finish. There's track, so many you say, games. Of a train game. <laughs> I'm quite fascinated to see where this goes. Um, there, if you're interested, so this was obviously a big demonstration at Essen, but then there's also a video by Tom Vassell of the Dice Tower where he shows you how it works. And as he said, you know, he doesn't need this. His, but he actually got this Alexa to teach a couple of his kids, his young kids who had never played Ticket to Ride, how to play, and it did it. There you go. And they liked it. So it works. I'll, I'll, I'll have to ask my Google when I get home. No, your Google can't do it. Oh, really? So, oh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to see where this goes. Yep. Um, and it is something I will be keeping my eye on, that's for sure. Fantastic. I'm really interested because mm. we've talked about being on this, this 
sort of precipice between the physical and the e-board games or the apps or whatever for, for quite a long time. I yeah. mean, I've talked about apps for a long, long time here. And it's, it is a natural progression, but we're still kind of waiting for that big leap, that, yeah. you know, one small step for humankind. And obviously starting with a massively well-known bit of IP like Ticket to Ride yeah. and having someone with the pockets of Jeff Bezos mm. who also distributes millions of board games around the world mm-hmm. is kind of a bit of a, a partnership, I dare say. It'll be curious to see how that progresses yeah. again and again and again because we are still, I think, only at step one or step two of a very, very different gaming landscape that could be there in five to ten years' time. Absolutely. Imagine if every person who owned a copy of some ridiculous game like Cards Against... Um, that we know so many people consider that a game and play it. Imagine if they all went, oh, not only can we play this funny game that we like to be a bit rude, but this machine will teach us half a dozen other games and how that'll get you on the gamer track. Well, you you just have to simply look at... We all started reading rule books. Mm -hmm. We now read rule books and look at YouTube videos and listen to podcasts. Very soon, probably, podcasts and particularly YouTube tutorials will outstrip actual rules for learning games. Rules are there for clarifications. We're turning into electronic learners. Well, so many times now, one of the first things you see when you open a rule book is, hey, you don't want to read me. You want to go and watch this video. Here's a QR code or here's a web address. Yep. And it makes sense. Correct. Now, Garth. What? We're out of time, We I don't say. have time to talk about that other game we were going to talk about because I can see Neil Steele and his wheels of steel outside the studio. We better go. We've got a game to play. We do. It's been episode 288 of The Dice Men Cometh. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to LFG Australia for sponsoring us yet again. So, again, if you need Christmas presents as games, jump onto lfg-oz.com.au. Mm-hmm. We've been The Dice Men Cometh. We are out of here. Jeez, it's not long till Christmas, Mark. I know, we've got one more episode before Christmas, but until then, have a great week, play more games. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. This has been an edit of The Dice Men Cometh from Edge Radio 99.3 FM, Hobart's independent youth station. Find us on Facebook and edgeradio.org.au.